0: Welcome back to another podcast. I'm Ginger, and this is Amanda, and today we have our first book review. A radical awakening. Okay, you guys, life-changing book. So good. So, for me at least. <laughs> no, not for Amanda. Listen, we don't always agree. I would say so, though,
1: I would say that a lot of this I've thought about, but I would say that, like, I agree with probably. I don't know. We'll see. You're I'm gonna throw little, out a percentage. I'm a, I, well, I was, but I'm a little bit in conflict with some things, but I feel like I have like room to be open to those okay. ideas too. Okay. So. Well, let's get to I it. Don't know. If you guys haven't read
0: this book, you can pick it up everywhere. So um I think that this is a really a really great book for women. Yes. Like, I mean
1: really probably one of the best books that really describes the experience of being a woman, especially if you're coming from Um, She talks about her background in India or probably something you and I can relate to a little more, a high demand religion. Yeah. So um, I think, and even just American culture in general, I feel like she really describes what it is
0: to become a woman in this day and age, which I think is really misunderstood. Um, And this comes down to a gender experience, I feel like. Because I I think it's very hard for men to
1: understand
0: that this is where women are coming from. Not all men. Not all men. But um, I think in general, men in their experience and women in their experience have, just because of gender, have different perspectives and different understandings of what's going on. Nobody's fault. Nobody's
1: bad. It just... It just is what it is.
0: Okay. Amanda's going to jump in. She took some notes and <laughs> I've taken some notes and we are going to dig deep. So deep buckle deep. up, buttercup. Here we go. But really
1: we're talking about right from the beginning, she gets off, started talking about this good girl mentality oh. <laughs> and talking about how girls are raised to look for what she calls the triple threat, which is approval, validation
0: and praise. And people I people do... pleasing <laughs> the three dimensions of people pleasing. Let's jump on in. <laughs>
1: so, and this is one thing men growing up in our society are not conditioned that way. They're not conditioned to be good boys and to be constantly worried about getting yeah. They're praised. They're bad
0: boys. That's right. Bad boys are praised. Bad boys are looked at with like well, taking risks is
1: seen as a good thing, right? Standing out is seen as a good thing. It's just
0: a very different even dominating situations. Absolutely. Yeah, it's very opposite. It's actually.
1: very and to be honest, men who struggle sometimes don't
0: embody those valued masculine traits. Right, right. And, and can and those. Traits when they are too big is what I think they're considering toxic masculinity. Yes, agreed. You know, so men have it on kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, and 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 women are over here, but we all need to be in the middle. I'm just going to say that right now. Okay, let's jump in. Neutrality. Neutrality <laughs> is, is favorite topic. <laughs> Neutrality. Have I said that enough? Maybe I should make that shirt. I think, I think I'm always yes. in neutral.
1: <laughs> Living life in neutral.
0: I should write a book.
1: She poses the question is good really good when it comes to being the good girl.
0: What do you think Ginger? Is good really good? No. And also bad is not really bad. I think pe- things are apparently good and things are apparently bad when we are in that judgmental state of mind. But when we approach situations from neutrality, we're not judging whether something's good or bad. We're just observing the outcome. Right. I like to use real estate in this example, because it's and this is kind of funny. But like, let's say we are a junkie house. Okay. Amanda is a junkie house that I'm looking to buy. It's hard to imagine. (laughs) Use your imagination. Use your imagination. <laughs> Actually, not a junkie house. Amanda's pretty on the outside, but is she pretty on the inside? That's really hard to know. Yeah, inspection that's true. Without an inspection. Right. You know? So anyway, you you can invest in this thing. And it apparently is beautiful and great and good for me. And I'm so excited that I won the bid on the house and that my offer was accepted. But then once you get in there, you realize, oh, it's not what I expected, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're not using you anymore because you're exactly what I expect. You've lived up to all of my expectations. <laughs> oh,
1: well, thank you.
0: <laughs> but I, I just need life please. in general. When
1: I you- need that validation and approval <laughs> and praise. So stop and but also
0: not- keep coming. <laughs> <laughs> I think that we, um, we apparently look at things and judge it good or bad, but then a lot of the times we're disappointed. Mm -hmm. And so you realize, oh, this is actually a money pit and it was lipstick on a pig, like this house sucks because it has terrible plumbing, terrible electric, terrible this, terrible that, terrible Mm -hmm. this. And it's an uncovering of all these things that I didn't notice before because I was so consumed with my judgment that it was good that I perhaps didn't actually do my due diligence.
1: And, and I think here, when we say, is good really good, that when we build a house based on these things, based on looking for approval, praise, validation, that it, is, it doesn't actually make good insights.
0: Exactly.
1: Because what it actually creates is a lot of resentment. It creates a lot of resentment as you are not able to fill up that hole inside of you with all of those things. Yes. Because... I mean, I'll say to people all the time, like, well, you should stop caring because you're still disappointing them anyway. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. right? It doesn't matter how many things you still try to do, whether it's parents or spouses or whatever, you're still disappointing them because it's really not about you just can't fill up that hole yeah. with those things. And so good isn't really good because it creates that that hole of resentment. And then you've lived your whole life and, you know, trying to chase something that's never going to work and um, not
0: been true to yourself and, and in not the lived end, your life for you. If you can't look in the mirror and be really glad and happy and peaceful about who you are, then what's the point, right? Because um, also the people in your life can change. Your relationships can change. So you build your life around, around the expectations of others and then you wake up one morning you're like oh wait a second I'm not who I want to be because I've been so busy trying to be everything they want me to be that I mm-hmm. forgot that this is my life right right and I think that uh in a nutshell is the problem with so many women's experiences that they're so busy being the mom their kids expect or that being the mom that they want their kids to expect, a lot of the times we project on other people how we want to be seen. Right, yes, absolutely. Well, and then that,
1: she talks about this ideal, this ideal woman in her culture, and I would argue in many others also, the, of this needless, wantless, self-sacrificing woman who um, doesn't think of herself, and that breeds resentment over time. And in fact, one of the saddest things I feel like, um, you know, when, when couples come in, often women have been carrying this for, you know, 15, 20, 30 years. And by the time they come in, they're already done. They're already too tired. They don't have anything left. They've given all of this of themselves for all this time. And um, now there's very little hope of saving anything
0: because... And the saddest part about all of this is it's sort of an autonomous part of being a woman. And so we're not even aware that it's taking place in our life experience until we're aware. And then like you said, chances are, we've lived with it for so long that backpedaling and pulling that back, because then at that point we're having to retrain everyone around Mm -hmm. us, how we want to be treated, also that we are no longer what they expect, right? It's like a kid at a vending machine. You put the coins in, the candy comes out. Well, if somebody's putting the coins in your vending machine and you don't spit out the candy that they thought. That's right. They're gonna start shaking that vending machine and kicking it and it's going to take time and effort and probably therapy. (laughs) to to help with the communication of that if you find yourself in a long-term relationship where this is happening
1: yeah so one of the big things that she talks about are these moments when the ego cracks and you sort of come to this realization right that you that your ego cracks and you realize i'm not who i thought i was or i don't want to be the person that i've been pretending to be
0: so is your ego cracked yet?
1: Yes. I will tell you about my ego cracking. So um, I very much really suffered from a good girl mentality. Like I okay. really felt that if I could embody all of those ideals, that I would get all those things and then that I would feel better. So I was probably I was trying to remember because when I read the book, I mean, this is like a vivid pivotal moment in my life when this happened but I don't remember how old I was I think I was like mid late 20s okay um and uh was sitting at a a Thanksgiving meal (laughs) and um uh, and I am I should preface this by saying I am very very grateful for this experience and I'm grateful I had it so young I'm grateful that I was only in my mid, late 20s. I'm grateful I wasn't older um, because it changed the way that I was in my life. And it changed. Um, it gave me permission. When that ego cracks, it's permission to live your life your own way. And so I am so grateful for this. And I'm so grateful that it could happen in a, in a safe way that allowed me to continue to progress as a, as a person, as an individual. Um, But one of my family members was saying what they appreciated about each member of the family. And um, I am the oldest of four and was always labeled as the peacemaker. Um, that was certainly my role within the family. Um, that is what I received praise for. So that is what I always tried to embody to my own self-denial, right? I was the peacemaker at my own expense all the time in my efforts to be the good girl. And I see. yes, and I had this moment of clarity where my ego cracked and I just said, ah, I don't want to be a doormat anymore. Like I just had, I heard all these other wonderful things about my other siblings that I felt were just much more um, the champion and, you know, all these other things. And I thought I am tired of being a doormat and being self-sacrificing and denying everything that I need or want in order to make everybody else comfortable and make everybody else feel better. But I will tell you, it was very uncomfortable as I came out of that role. And like you were saying, people really don't like it. It was it it took, shocking. It took them. years before they adjusted to treating the way where I was a person again. Um, and that it was okay that I had opinions that were different, or I wasn't just always smoothing everything over at my own expense. Um and so that is my ego cracking. I and think it's such a good experience. Like really, I'm so grateful. And I think when it happens, it is like a light bulb moment. Like it is like a light bulb moment.
0: And I think the most beautiful part about those moments through our life is that it puts you on new ground absolutely inside. And even though everyone around you is kind of like somewhere else, you're raising them up too because they have to realize and we have to all realize within our experience, everyone is constantly changing and everyone has the ability to change. That those ego breaks, those breakthroughs can happen for everyone. And so when you don't talk to someone for six months, quite literally, Those people could be different people altogether.
1: Yeah. Well, and it allowed by me actually being who I really am, instead of trying to fulfill this good girl role, it allowed my relationships with, it took, several years of adjustment, but it really allowed my relationships with all of my family members to be better than they've ever been. Significant difference. All that time as I was chasing, as I thought, well, if I just be the peacemaker, if I be the good girl, then they will you know, praise and validate me and it will be, our relationships will be good. But it
0: really wasn't until I let go of that, that we could actually have real relationships. So this is my question. We seek so much validation. We seek so much praise, but it's empty. Yeah. Oftentimes, in reality, it's like eating junk food versus a steak. Because mm-hmm. really, like to get the validation that we want is to be seen for who we are. right? And that is substance. and And accepted. But if we're playing this role of the good girl, we can never be accepted for who we are. And vice versa, if we are projecting that good girl mentality on other people and requiring them to be a certain way and not allowing other people to live in their authentic self, then in in the flip side, you know, we're going to stall out their development. But if we're constantly drawing authenticity out of others and we're constantly trying to unmask, you know, Um, facades, I think that it's contagious and people feel Mm -hmm. like they can be authentic with you and they feel like they can be honest with you. When you approach the situation in a place where you are authentic and you're like, oh, actually I don't do that. You know, hey, Amanda, will you make the turkey? And you're like, uh, no, I can't, you know, versus like, you know, that people-pleasing part where it's like, Uh, Sure. Yeah, I can bring the turkey because I have zero time and I am traveling from eight hours away. So it makes zero sense for me to do it. But because I'm the people pleaser, I'll just go ahead and say yes. Right. And I will make you think that I'm completely capable when in fact I am not. Right. Right. All to prop up our own ego. Right. That's the thing. That's
1: the hard. I know we touched on this, I think, in like episode two, but all of this all of this good girl mentality in the end is to prop up our own ego. So when the ego cracks, then we are able to come into a place
0: where so let's talk a little bit more about the experience of an ego crack. I I'm trying to retrieve some specific situations in my life. I know I've had just multiple ego crashes in my life. I mean there was a time I was just maybe borderline clinically depressed because of the, I was, I was doing so much self-improvement and working at such a high rate of trying to figure myself out Mm -hmm. because I can be obsessive. I know that might sound crazy to some people. That's a joke. (laughs) (laughs) I've been very obsessive my whole life. So if I get on a Uh, if I get my mind on something, it's like, I can't stop until I get to a point where I feel satisfied Mm -hmm. and the self is unsatisfied, right? The lowest vibe, one of the lowest vibrations we can have is desire. So if I have a desire to uncover myself it's coming from like a low vibration, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas like, if you take the gratitude perspective, which is a much higher perspective, it's like, I can just be grateful in being present every day and that all grow at the pace that I'm supposed to Mm -hmm. versus versus trying to force something to happen. So like in that ego crack, so that ego crack happened at Thanksgiving. Tell us about the time just after that, as you uncovered it, because your consciousness is going to automatically correct so tell us how, like as your life went on after that ego crack, how things sort of started coming to your awareness and how you started making changes like in your day-to-day life. Yeah, well, I think initially I felt um I
1: felt what Dr. Shafali talks about, which is a lot of anger and resentment. Like, and also a tendency to slip into like, why did they force me into that role? Mm, right. And what I, yeah, what I came to, I was resentful because I was upset that I had been responsible and complicit in buying into that good girl ideal that it hadn't brought me what I had sort of been promised it would with that validation and praise that I would feel good about myself and valued and things like that. Um, So, you know, initially that was the biggest thing was the anger and resentment that, um, that I had done all those things and it Mm -hmm. hadn't brought me what I'd been promised. How Um, could it? No, it couldn't. It was a faulty promise to begin with.
0: The whole premise
1: was faulty, but how
0: many of us women especially believe that? We put ourselves in a self-illusion that's damaging to our authenticity, to our personal growth, just by wanting people to believe that we are good. Right. When in fact, I think we're already good. We are already good. There's no proof or proving that needs to take place. We all just need to live in our true authentic expression, which is this. I don't litter. I don't lie. I don't deceive others on purpose. Like do some of those things happen on accident? Sure. Sometimes I'm driving a truck and something flies out the back, but that's different than chucking something out the window. Mm -hmm. You know, you find yourself like, Oh, that wasn't as honest as I thought. I'm going to correct that. Or, you know, we're still human, but I think what matters is our intention. Yeah. And so if your intention in your decision is to please someone And it's in conflict with what you can do or who you are. That should be the place where we begin to change is before any action takes place, being self-aware so that we make sure that our intentions are in place Mm -hmm. as we make decisions. And that
1: you can bring as much goodness into the world, being yourself as you can being a good girl. Yes, right? So you here can, you
0: are now. Like how this is years late. Yeah. Later, yeah. This okay? Is a long time so, <laughs> we're older than in okay. my 20s. You're like 31 now. Totally. It's just been a few years. <laughs> um, so what is your approach now
1: to people and to relationships? Yeah.
0: So, I would say
1: it is a struggle. Like it is something that I you know, I do struggle with to overcome, to not be in that space and not make my relationships. I loved what she said in here when she talked about, um, do you remember when she talked about the definition of the word
0: bitch? Yes. I mean, this is one of my favorite parts of the book because your girl can have attitude. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Yeah, so I love this, too, because I think we have
1: such an... And she talks about her natural aversion to not only the word, but, like, the attitude and, you know, how people perceive that, what a negative thing it is for a woman to embody this idea. So she included the definition from the U.S. Feminist magazine. Ooh, let's read it. it. It says, when it's being used as an insult, bitch is an epithet hurled at women who speak their minds who have opinions and who do not shy away from expressing them and who do not sit by and smile uncomfortably if they are bothered or offended. And I think that is um, just a great definition. Because how often do we just stay quiet, right? We see somebody do something and we're like, the good girl says, stays quiet. It's the bitch who speaks up and says something and it's uncomfortable to be that person especially i mean i i would love like i wish and i hope for a
0: real sisterhood among women that we don't do that to each other right right and that it becomes more accepting of women to step up and step forward in their opinions and the things that they believe are true and right and to be seen as valid right. because a lot of the times i think that we Pull back into that good girl mentality because we believe that the perception will be that, you know, we it's minimizing our experiences, what we're doing. We're minimizing how we feel, we're minimizing what we're experiencing in the moment to make them feel comfortable. Shrinking, shrinking, becoming a wallflower. Yes. Yeah. Just to make others comfortable. So we put ourselves through this great discomfort because it is very uncomfortable. Yeah. And even if you don't recognize it right off the bat, when you become aware of it and that part of you cracks, when you find yourself in the situation that you are being a people pleaser or you are being in that good girl mindset, um, it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. Because you because I personally almost don't even know what to do. So I've started to like practice thinking through situations so that so that when I find myself there, I have, I have already like paved a path for me to get out of it in the moment. And that I don't let those moments pass by me without doing it right. Because until you start doing it right and re repaving new neural pathways, it's just going to be a habit. Right. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I think the bottom line is you can be good without being a good girl
0: <laughs> because we it's are a very, good. it's a
1: very different thing. And I think your ability to bring goodness into the world is actually increased when you let go of the good girl because it really matters then then it's real true love for other people
0: and and true love for yourself because the truth is is that when we accept ourselves for who are who we are if i accept myself for the fact that i am not a good girl that i (laughs) i'm not naughty either okay i'm neutral it
1: sounds weird
0: i'm neutral (laughs) it does sound weird Um, but if I accept the fact that I'm not a good girl and I'm not a people pleaser and I just, that's step one, step two is not allowing myself to fall into it. When I find myself in a situation that might habitually put me there and then unraveling myself in the moment so that I can live in authenticity. And that is power. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add? No. All right. This wraps up another podcast here on the unfold real podcast with Ginger and Amanda. We hope you guys will check out our website, amandabuswell.com and um, check out the cruise. Just a reminder about that. Um, We only have a few slots left. So if you want to come join us on the women's retreat, we'd love to have you and we'll see you guys next time.